bitter. Okay, in Ois Ches, we'll be starting to talk about Mesiris Nefesh. And that's going to be the answer to our question. Because our question at the, in, in, at the end of Shir yesterday was, having explained everything we explained about the three different levels of Pada Bashalim, three different levels in time, three different levels in Aveda, and then in Oizayin, the Rebbe explains that all three levels are really one, because there are, there are three different perushim in one Pasuk in the Torah. And the Pasuk in the Torah is one. Right? We talked about that. <clears throat> and so then, the Rebbe said it might even be at the beginning of Ches, it might even be, Ulai Yesh Lemar, right? which means the Rebbe is saying an idea <coughs> that he hasn't seen anywhere. But... Um, it still could be true, for us obviously it is, that um, even the level of Milchama is the beginning of the Padilla. Right? And he quoted Chazal, Milchama Nami, Schalte de Geula. The war is the beginning of the freedom. <coughs> so even even uh, uh, the, uh, the, a level of Pada Milchama could be connected to the highest level of Pada Bisholem. And we see that in the story regarding the Alter Rebbe and the, and, and the Mittler Rebbe. Because both of them are connected to the idea of Pada B'Sholem. And yet, both of them were in a situation that in the, the Rebbe's words required a lot of iskafia. They had to overcome a lot of negative reality in order to, in order to bring about whatever it is they brought about. Meaning their, their redemption was a function of overcoming tremendous obstacles, which is certainly not Sholem. And so... <coughs> How in the world are they connected to the Indian of Sholem? That was what we saw yesterday. We left with that question. And we're picking up in the words Vyesh Lemar, which are two, four, six, eight, nine lines down. In the second column on Kufpehe. Aisches. You're messing me up here. Mordechai's not feeling well, so he's not here. You're sitting on the left side. I, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. completely disoriented here. I, I don't know what to do with myself. I had a chance to sit closer. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, you get an A. V'yesh lemer abir Let's explain it, the Rebbe says. Now, again, that language, v'yesh lemer, that... I mean, if, if there were an explanation of this idea from one of the previous Rebbeim, the Rebbe would quote it. Say it. the the, the Mitla Rebbe explains it this way. This, when the Rebbe says V'yesh Abir first of all, you know that that's when some action is going to begin in the Mimer. Right? If you're listening in Yiddish, it sounds even a little Yesh Abir and them, Abir and them, in in this, right? And and that it also obviously means that the Rebbe is saying something that he's saying. Right? Or else we know the Rebbe will quote one of the previous Rebbeim. That's what's been happening all the way through the Mimer. Right? But at a certain point in just about every Mimer, you get to a point of Yeshlem Rabir in them. Right? And that's when the fireworks start. <clears throat> and the Rebbe says an amazing thing and explains something that's very. I mean, the Rebbe will explain later why it's so shaykh to our generation. Yeshlem Rabir Bazaar. The Kol Hadargus, all of the levels, should be. In the notion of redemption, achieving a state of freedom, kshures are connected ima padia b'shalem with the level of padia b'shalem betachli sashlemus, the highest level of padia b'shalem shetir lasid that will be lasid lavi. 
And as we said, there are three different levels of Padre B'Shalom. Shalem HaMelech, the first Kufa of Yimei Mashiach, and the second Kufa of Yimei Mashiach. So the Rebbe just said, all levels of Padilla are connected to the highest level. Which is in line with what we said in Zion, that all three levels of explanation of the Pasuk are connected to each other. So what does this mean? <clears throat> now, that would also mean that the level that we just talked about is also connected. What's the level we just talked about? Padilla B'Milchama. That since the milchama is ischal to the geula, so the milchama itself has a connection to the pedia, to the notion of redemption, of geula, victory. Okay, so if that's the case, so even that level has a connection to the highest level. How? The yuvanzeh, this can be understood. Alpi mashimavar, now of course the Rebbe goes back to the, the Mitla Rebbe. Yuvanzeh, alpi mashimavar bala geula, Based on that which is explained by the Bala Geula, by Maimer, in the Maimer that we're learning, right? Meaning the Maimer that's been learned, the Pada B'Shalom, as he explained. It's a famous Sefer, you can find it in Zal. It's a little too high up, unfortunately. You have to get up on a chair to get it, but okay. The, the, everybody has to get on a chair, you know. There's some shelves that certain people have to get on chairs and other people don't have to get on chairs. And then there's shelves where everybody has to get on a chair. This is one of the shelves where everybody has to get on a chair. Maybe Emmett. None of you knew Emmett, but Emmett was a wonderful student here about, I don't know, I guess five, six years ago. He's now married with a kid. He's an amazing guy. Emmett was probably 6'5". I mean, Emmett was really a tall guy. Maybe 6'6". Six, six. He was really tall. So maybe Emmett could get to that shelf. Right? He's the only guy I know right, who could do that. One of the shluchim right now in, um, in Hebron is seven, is seven foot. Really? Yeah. What, so a bocher shaleo? Yeah. He's so, he's so tall. tall. Wow. Seven feet you know, tall. He's, he's seven really or he might be even a little over seven at this point. Hanani was standing on three steps. <laughs> That's big. Yeah. <laughs> Remember a friend of mine, this is many, many, many years ago was walking along Manhattan, and it was a sunny summer day, and all of a sudden it got dark. Right? I mean, like, it just, he realized it, like, it, it, it was dark. It was not dark, but, you know, like, it, so he looked next to him. Walking past him was a very famous guy. He was the center for the New York Knicks, so he knew who it was, right? Who was about 6'10", but he was also wide. And, and he, he said it, it, it was like, it was like all of a sudden, it, 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 yeah, there was this huge shadow. This guy was enormous, and then he walked past, and then the sun came out again. <laughs> this enormous guy. But he recognized me, he said it was a, the, the center of the Knicks. <laughs> there are some big people out there. Hmm? The, the, we're now we're talking about big people in Ruchnius. That's what the rabbis talk about here. It's big in Ruchnius. <laughs> So the lowest level of Padilla is connected to the highest level. And what did the, what did the Mittler Rebbe say? Again, the Maimer is in Shari Tshuva. In the, that's the name of the Sefer. In the Sefer, there's another Sefer, so to speak, called Shari Tfila. Part of Shari Tshuva, there's a, there's a section called Shari Tfila. In Shari Tfila, there's a Maimer, Pada B'Sholem, which this Maimer is based on. There's 12 Prokim law. Right? The Rebbe quotes the Maimer often, Relative to what the Rebbe says about the, the, the in the twelfth chapter, the Hayrabim Imadi, that 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 is the source in Hasidus that the Rebbe quotes often about the fact 
that the Nosia door is the panemius of every person in the door. Right? And, not, and that, the, that there's a, I mean, the Meishu Rabbeinu in every generation comes from the Zar Yispashtus and the Meishu Chaldar Vedara. Right? But that that Nitzah, it's a spark of the Neshama of the Nosia door is in every Jew in the door. So that's from Padah B'Shalom, the Mitla Rebbe, that the Rebbe quotes constantly. And the Rebbe quotes the idea, and then if you look at the footnote below, it'll always say, always, very often say, Sharia Tvila, Padah B'Shalom, Perak Yud Beis. The Indian Pada B'Shalom Nafshi, Baveda Sa'adam. What's the Indian of Pada B'Shalom Nafshi in Aravveda? How do we bring about in Aravveda an Indian of Pada B'Shalom? So now, we talked about those things that we can do that bring about Pada B'Shalom relative to ourselves on a certain level and outside ourselves on a certain level, right? Meaning the Biru that's brought about through davening, through learning Torah, etc. Okay, but what's the Aveda that we can do? in terms of some connection to our neshama that can bring about a pada b'shalom in everything we do. <clears throat> Shapadia, that the, re- the rectification, the redemption, it's a better word, the nefesh elokis, mihagolus, the nefesh bahamis, thank you, that the redemption of the nefesh elokis, the godly soul, from the golus of the nefesh bahamis, Right? The Nefesh Elokis is in an existential state of Golos. Meaning what? It's taken from a place where it experiences incredible closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and those levels of the Neshama that are brought down into the goof to vitalize the goof and be involved in our lives in Elam Hazer feel very distant from their source and have to deal with this Nudnik called the Nefesh Bahamis and this weird thing called the goof. Now, that's a temporary situation for the Nevesh Elokis, obviously. Right? It doesn't have to do that forever. Right? It was somewhere else before it descends into the body, and it goes somewhere else after it leaves the body. Okay, but as long as it's down here, it experiences a certain state of gullus. Right? So how is it that we can... Now, that doesn't mean that the Nevesh Elokis is affected by the gullus to the extent that it changes its nature. It doesn't change its nature. Right? That we've learned in a number of different instances. Mayim Rabim. The, the, the essential love of the Nefesh Elokis is maintained even though the Nefesh Elokis is found in a place of tremendous turbulence and tremendous concealment and tremendous craziness. Elamaz is a crazy place for the Nefesh Elokis. Right? I mean, you know, just sit and think about what the Nefesh Elokis is and what Elamaz is and how the Nefesh Elokis has to deal with all the craziness down here. Now, we're supposed to help it, but sometimes we don't. Right? Sometimes we cause it a tremendous amount of anguish and, and angst by virtue of all the craziness we get into. Okay, that's Elam Hazeh. Now, that doesn't mean that we're right doing what we're doing, but that is the reality in Elam Hazeh, and the Nefesh Elokis comes down into this place and feels like it's in a state of Golos. Okay, so it, well... So our Nefesh Elokis was always in Golos, even in a time of, of Beis Mikdash or a time of not Golos. We're oh. always technically in Golos. That's a very interesting point. On a certain saying, uh, meaning, once Mashiach comes, so then that gullus disappears completely in total. Because then the physical and the spiritual connect. <coughs> but it, so in the times of the base of Mikdash, so the gullus of the Nefesh Elokis was definitely much, 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 much less than the gullus that it feels in a state of gullus because there was such a powerful revelation. Yeah, but what we're saying here is that there's, we're still technically in Gullah. Yes, we're, there's okay. some state of, even though, again, 100%, very different than the Gullah right. that the Reverend's going to talk about, the Gullah that we experience now 
the ikvus of the Mashiach, and now that's different than every other golus that, that's existed up until now. Okay, that's the, the Rebbe's going to explain that as we go further. But but the, the, there's no question that the neshama is existentially in a state far away from the Godot Borov. Aye, but what if Elokus is revealed in Elam Hazer? So then the neshama feels at home. In the times of Beis there's there were states like that. Now, how powerful was that revelation in the Galil? I don't know what, you know, what was life like in the Galil in the time of Bayez Rishon? Right? You could go to Yerushalayim and experience Gilu Elokus by hanging out in the base of Mikdash and, and, and being aware of the intense presence of godliness in that place. There's no question. There was a place in the world where you could, every single person who wanted to, could experience incredibly intense Gilu. Not the Kotel. I mean, like, the real thing, right? Okay. I bet I'd seen question. I don't know what life was like in the Galil, right? I mean, obviously there were challenges. Read the book, right? Read the book about our lives during that. I mean, it's not like the Abraham hid all this or Jews hid all this. We wrote it all down, right? And we had challenges, right? We're busy worshiping idols half the time. What are you doing? There's a base of Mikdash down the road in Yerushalayim and some moron in the Galil is busy bowing down to some Goyesha idol. So now, you and I will call him a moron. He looks at us and he just can't figure out what we're about, right? Because he had no taivas in Gashmias. His taivas were all in Ruchmias. Right? So his taivas were all over to Zara. Right? He looks at us. What's wrong with these people? Look at them. They're just like so into Gashmias. I mean, don't they understand it's all Ruchmias? So you and I look at them and go, what's wrong with these people? What are they worshiping idols for? I mean, are they crazy? I cannot relate to what they found very difficult to deal with. Okay. Say them. Why? Because they had a taiva we don't have. We have taivas they don't have. So they don't understand us, and we don't understand them if they're reading our book. Okay, that's true. But what you say, so in other words, clearly the, the, the nefesh of nefesh elokis felt some state of gullus even in that in, in that situation because it wasn't complete. One hundred percent. Every situation since, since well until Mashiach. Right. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent. Tzadikim, like people on such a high level that are one with Hashem, like Moshe Rabbeinu, who spoke to Hashem multiple times, had was had. No. Was you still in gullus? No. I mean, they're aware of ours. But they themselves, like so, we talked about the, for, for the tzaddik, Mashiach is already here, right? Menachem Mendel Batevsky had to go out of the room to see if if it was if Mashiach had come or not come, because by him it was Mashiach. Right? We talked about this yesterday, two days ago, right? The rabbi said Mashiach had the the the, the shver had Mashiach in the cupboard, right? In Yitzhak's tent, it smells like Gan Eden. Yaakov walks in. Yaakov has the smell of Gan Eden. Right? So the, the tzaddikim live and experience elevation and, and, and revelation at a completely different level. But what are they aware of? Intensely, more than us, the gullus that we live in. And it bothers them to no end. What Jew is more bothered by the fact that Mashiach has not yet come than any other Jew in the world? The Lubavitcher Rebbe, right. But but wait a minute. The difference in his life between that and this, obviously it's going to be a major difference because he understands that that's his whole tough key. But but, I mean, in terms of his own personal experience, it's not going to be that great, right? He knows everybody else's... Oh, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Because then that's what he cares about. 
Now, there's a piece of him and every single one of us that's also experiencing Golas, because he's within the Shama Klolis and the Shama Pratis that we just mentioned in terms of, you know, what's the source of that? There's Chaylik Parakid base in in Pada Bishalom of the Mithla Rebbe. There's also a story of the Mithla Rebbe with his hand, with his arm right. He felt what the Chassidim were feeling. Right. The, 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 was it the middle or the Tzemach Sedek? Oh, it was the Tzemach Sedek. No, the middle or is what, you, what you're no. saying. The, 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 the Tzemach, I think it was the Tzemach Sedek that once the, the Tzemach Sedek was extremely tired at a certain point in Yechidus. And the, the, the Mazkir, the, the secretary who was letting people in and out, didn't made some comment about it. Like it, it didn't make sense because the Rebbe was sitting in a room. And the Rebbe said, okay, you know, you're finished, the job's over for you, but, but explain to him. He said, every Jew that walks in to talk to me, I have to take off my garments and put on his when he asks me the question. Then, in order to give him an answer, I have to take off his garments and put on mine. Doing that constantly is extremely tiring. Meaning, I have to leave where I am and go where he is in order to understand his question. Then I have to leave where he is and go back where I am in order to give him an answer. Because obviously, from where he is, there's no answer. That's why he came to me. Right? He said, that's very tiring. Changing clothes. He actually said, changing clothes that often. Because right? he was schwitzing. He was like sweating and tired. <clears throat> We can, I don't understand what the, we can, you know, we can, we can, I hope we can appreciate that there's such a reality. Right? But that doesn't mean we understand what that reality is, but hopefully we can appreciate that there's such a state of being, okay? But yes, the, 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 the existential state of the Nefesh Elokis, as long as it's down here in Elam Hazai, even in the time of Bayes Rishon and Bayes Shani, even though obviously those were easier times for the Nefesh Elokis, still a time of Golos, yes? Till you Yemez Mashiach. When there'll be a complete and total pedia, right? <clears throat> so she pedia. But, but how is it we bring about a pada b'shalom of the nevesh elokis now? She pedia the nevesh elokis miagolus the nevesh of amis he ba'efin the shalim. Right, this, that's what the Rebbe's talking about. What is pada b'shalom b'avedus adam redeeming the nevesh elokis from the golus of the nevesh of amis in an oifin of shalim? What does that mean? That there's no opposition from the Nevesh of Amis. Obviously, there had to be some opposition from the Nevesh of Amis in the times of Bayes Rishon because Yidin did a virus, right? And ultimately brought about the destruction of the Beis Amikdash, right? So there had to be some opposition. Exactly, we, we, we don't understand what that reality was like. Obviously, different, different than ours. No question. The ability to get get in a cart and drive to the base of Mikdash and see Elokus Bemuchash is a little different than the reality we experience. Right? I don't mean to be uh, annoying, but um, the the closest any of us ever came to that. Just telling you my own personal experience and experience of you know people I know was going to the Rebbe and seeing Elokus Bemuchash. The Rebbe's not God. Rebbe's Eloki, he's godly, and and you you just you know it was things were clear sitting in that room. There's no question there was a clarity there because you're in the face of something so incredibly powerful. There's just no question. 
Right? 100%. Right? A friend of mine, we were discussing that, I saw a conversation I had with some girls in Sim. I don't know whether I should record this, but whatever. <laughs> right? Girls in Sim. And, um, and uh, a girl asked a question about something that the... I mean, you all learned it in Basi Lagani, right? That, that uh, every single Jew should say, when can my deeds read the, reach the deeds of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov? There's no limitation. A girl asked a very reasonable question. Baruch Hashem, she was honest, and she asked it so we could talk about it, because people don't ask, you can't talk about it. She said, I, I get it, I see what the Rebbe says, but I don't experience that at all in my own life. I don't think I can really do that. Oh, that's honest. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. Right? So we talked about that. Right? Okay. And if, you know, to say the, 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 the conversation was a long conversation. It's not for now, right? But Because we've also talked about it. But, but um, the lack of faith in my ability to touch Elokus, and it was fairly clear that most people in the room associated very powerfully with what she said. So I was talking about this with my best friend, who we bring about lots of things. And, uh, I mean, we don't talk to each other anymore. It's just all voice notes on WhatsApp. It's like we never actually talk. You know, it's so interesting. But, but it works. It's good because uh, you can listen while you're walking down the street and answer while you're walking down the street. People wonder why you're talking into a piece of plastic, but it works. So uh, he said, and I don't, I don't mean this, I, I, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't think that we now are any less able to touch Elokus than we were 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when we could actually see the Rebbe B'muchash, we could see the Rebbe physically, and people who did see the Rebbe physically, obviously there's a certain advantage they have, okay, Beseda, they saw something very special, okay, true, but there's disadvantages they have, it's like anything else in life, right, because they might get so stuck in oi mahayalanu, oi ve what was, that they forgot about serving God now, right, they forget about it and just get on and serve God, this is, this is, you know, this is what there is, and we obviously can do what we have to do in the situation we're in, because if we couldn't do what we have to do in the situation we're in, we wouldn't be in this situation, that's existential, okay, and that's the way we have to relate to whatever situation we're in in life, okay, so for Lubavitchers not to be able to see the Rebbe is difficult, of course it's difficult, Okay, there's a whole generation of Lubavitchers who never saw the Rebbe. Okay, Seder, that's difficult. Obviously, that's difficult. But if we couldn't do what we have to do in that situation, then we wouldn't be in that situation. That's the way it is. End of discussion. Get on with it. That being said, there was definitely an advantage to be able to get on a plane and go to 770 and, and like, you know, feel like your phone being plugged in every now and then, right? There's no question that was an advantage. So he said something very, he said, what do you expect from this young girl? She never saw Elokus. What did he mean? For him personally, what did it mean to go to the Rebbe? <laughs> to see Elokus Bamukash, you saw a human being who was just push it, connected, like this is the real thing. There's no fooling around here. This is it. It's what it looks like. Okay. She said, what do you want from her? Now, he didn't mean that, that she can't do it. Right? He meant that she's being honest. Right? Yes, we can do it. By definition, we can do it. Says Beferish in the Mimer, in a Kodesh Baruch Hu Trini and Beresov, a Kodesh Baruch doesn't act in a tyrannical way, doesn't ask us to do things we can't do. And he doesn't put us in situations where we can't deal with. That, that's just the nature of, of reality. That doesn't mean it's more difficult or yet less difficult. Okay. As a matter of fact, based on what the Rebbe says in this Mimer, you might say, okay, so then, you know, the, the Helam and Hel- Hester, the concealment that the Rebbe's going to talk about later in the Mimer, so now it's even more powerful. Okay. So what exactly was life like in the times of the first base of Mikdash when you could 
get on your horse and ride to Yerushalayim and see, you know, Elokus, you know, going into 770, 30 years ago was one thing. Going to the base of Mikdash was a little different. Right? You had to have a certain amount of sensitivity in 770. You didn't need any sensitivity whatsoever to walk into the base of Mikdash. Anybody saw Elokus. In 770, you had to open up because people would walk through and not see anything. Okay. Impossible in the base of Mikdash, I assume. Right? Okay, fine. What were they like when they went back to the Galil? I don't know. I, I, I look and you read the book. It sounds like <laughs> they were like anybody else. They had taivas for Vedazara that we can't even imagine. What is their deal? I mean, they don't understand the fact that people eat sushi. They just can't get it. Like, what are, what are they doing? Taking things. Mm. Let me try that one. Mm. And they covered up with soy sauce anyway, so all they can taste is the soy sauce. I mean, what is the big deal? <laughs> What is the big deal? It's the only reason it's edible. Right? So just stick your finger in soy sauce and go like that. It's a lot cheaper. Right? Anyway, whatever. Then you can't crunch the... Okay, but save you can't crunch Well, the hopefully sauce. it's not. Is there crunchy yeah. stuff in there? That's gross. Okay. Oh, that's really gross. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just say <clears throat> it really starts with raw fish, right? I mean, that's what the Japanese do and they have the highest... By, by far, I mean, there's not even any comparison whatsoever of the incidence of stomach cancer in Japan as opposed to the rest of the world because they eat raw fish, which is incredibly unhealthy. And this, the levels of stomach cancer in Japan are sky high relative to the rest of the world because of their diet. So don't eat raw fish. <laughs> it's not good for you. No, say to Don't do a vegetarian either. It's not good for you. <laughs> Certain things not good for you. Right? Okay. How is it that we reach that level? Who? When the Avedis be Mesiris Nefesh. Self sacrifice. But what's Mesiris Nefesh? We'll have to talk about it. We'll see. Uber Mesiris Nefesh Gufa. And regarding Mesiris Nefesh itself, Mesiris Nefesh the Yechido. The Mesiris Nefesh that comes from the highest level of the soul called Yechido Shabbat Nefesh. The level of etzim, the name of etzim and the shama, right? Five levels of soul. The Rebbe is going to mention all five: nefesh, ruach, neshama, chaya yichida. Nefesh, ruach, neshama are the three levels of soul that are clothed in your body and power you here down here in Olam Hazeh. Responsible for, the, the, for your intellect, for your midas, for your for, uh, for your emotional state, action, speech, thought, right? Okay. That's nefesh ruach neshama. Chayish nefesh is the level of your neshama that as you're down here, that level of your neshama did not descend all the way down and it is hanging out in Gan Eden right now experiencing incredibly powerful revelations of God. Right? How much is that affecting your conscious reality? Probably not at all. Right? Because you're not conscious of you. are not there. You're here. I mean, conscious you is down here. So if conscious you is, is, is aware of neshama, it's probably aware of those levels of neshama that are powering your goof. So you're aware of the fact, the idea, of, we, we talked about it in Basi Lagani, the idea of our ability to understand the notion of Irma Male. Well, what's the mushal the Chazal say? Just like the neshama fills the goof, so God fills the world. 
Okay, so I experienced the neshama filling the goof. I, I don't necessarily know what's in the neshama. I mean, you and I do, because Baruch Hashem, we've been taught that. But a person might not know that, but everybody's aware of the fact that I have some sort of life force that's giving me energy and life and vitality that's in me. And whatever that is disappears at some point, and then the person's no longer alive. Well, you know, what does that mean, they're no longer alive? There's a body, okay, but the body doesn't have this thing called life in it. What is that? That's called a neshama. Okay. That's what you and I call it. What someone else calls it, I have no idea. They have to explain it somehow. Okay. <clears throat> they usually aren't so good at explaining that stuff. Right? There's certain questions that we have a hard time explaining and putting God in the picture. And that's when certain events happen in Eilam Hazel that make no sense whatsoever. If there's a God. There's events like that. We can't explain those events. We don't, we don't get it. Right? If you don't believe in God, you can explain those events very, very simply. Just the way it is. Everything else, we explain better. Right? Why? Because when you explain things based on the fact that there's a creator and an issue, it all makes sense, perfect sense, it all works. The only thing that doesn't work is that question. You know, good thing, bad things happening to good people, bad, bad things, baklau, all that doesn't make any sense. Kids getting sick makes no sense whatsoever if there's a God. We cannot answer those questions. Right? Does that mean there's no God? doesn't mean there's no God. Right? just means we can't answer those questions. Right? Every other question, our answers are so... I mean, the, the difference between the sophistication of our answers and everybody else's ain't a role. There's, just, there's, no, there's, no, there's no comparison. Right? There's one thing we just can't explain. We don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but we, we, we can't explain it. We understand why we can't explain it, but okay, it doesn't make it any easier. God is, I don't know why, who, who knows. Right? So that causes some people to just throw God out, which is pretty silly, because then you can't explain anything else, like why you're existing. No explanation whatsoever. Right? Completely blank. Okay, say that. But it's convenient. If you throw God out, then you can do anything you want. Which <clears throat> is somewhat convenient. What's Messir's Nefesh? Messir's Nefesh is, Messir's Nefesh, the Yechidish of a Nefesh. Chayish of a Nefesh is the part of you that's in Gan Eden right now experiencing Elokos. Yechidish of a Nefesh is the essence of you that is essentially connected to a Kaddish and isn't experiencing Elokus, it is Elokus. It is the Eibishter, so to speak. It's a piece of him, so to speak, whatever that means. And I understand we don't understand what that means, but okay, but we sort of do. We can and we can't, because you can't God, cut God up into pieces, okay, beside her, but that's what the Neshama is. Like the story that Gabi told us about the Tzemach Tzedek, right? <coughs> okay, <coughs> fine. We'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll, let's go further and we'll discuss it. What Messias Nefesh of, of Yechida. <coughs> but, <coughs> let's just read a couple of lines and, because the Rebbe is going to say, The level of self-sacrifice that comes from a revelation of the level of Neshama called Chaya. In other words, a person can become consciously aware of that level of their connection to a Kaddish Baruch. And that means that person is going to connect to Elokus in an extremely powerful way and will basically, basically, like remember that word, 
not let anything get in the way of his relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. Which might even mean that he's willing to give up his life. But what happens spiritually at that moment? There's a subduing of the Nefesh Bahamis. Let's read to the end to the end of the sentence, and then we'll try to explain. And through the mysterious nefesh that comes from the level called Yehida, he misbatelis legamre the nefesh the nefesh of Amis is completely and totally nullified. Okay, all the levels of the soul have corresponding to that which that level of soul powers, so to speak, a, a corresponding force in the nefesh of Amis. Meaning there's negative action, there's negative emotions, or emotions of the Nefesh Abamis. There's negative intellect, intellect of the Nefesh Abamis. Now it doesn't have to mamish be negative, okay, but it's intellect of the Nefesh Abamis. There's also the Ratzon of the Nefesh Abamis, the desire of the, ne- the will of the Nefesh Abamis. And that corresponds to Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, and Chayyip. Those four levels of soul. Those four levels of godly soul have an opposing power in the Nefesh of Amis and the animal soul. Chayesh of Nefesh is some super conscious connection to God that you have that might have and hopefully does have some sort of residual effect on you so even though you might not be thinking about godliness in a conscious way there's something that's keeping you away from some negative reality and you're not exactly sure what it is but but somehow you're staying away from that not because you can explain it intellectually or you can you you're feeling some emotion but simply because there's something i don't know no i i I want to connect to god i don't want to connect to that okay that might be a revelation of chayisha benefesh some super conscious level of you that's very connected to a kodesh borough and it affects your consciousness now and then okay all sorts of stories about Yidin that, for whatever reason, connected or went somewhere. Or a person, a Jew, can walk into a Chabad house and, and have no intellectual understanding or emotional understanding, so to speak, of why it is they feel connected to what's going on there. But they feel connected. Why? Some superconscious connection, the Lakus, that's coming from Chayesh Benefesh. Okay, now what if that were to express itself very powerfully in your consciousness? Not, you know, not some vague feeling that you have, but you know, in other words, you, you, would, you would be unable to disconnect from a Kaddish Baruch That's called Mesiris Nefesh. Mesiris Nefesh is, generally, even though we'll see that the most powerful expression of Mesiris Nefesh is, is from Chayish of Nefesh, that's what he's about to explain, and hopefully we'll explain that. But you, you, you say... I can't disconnect. I refuse to disconnect. There's a statement in Yiddish, even though this applies more to Yehida than Chaya, but still, this is the way it is and there is no other way. I can't disconnect. Okay. Mesir's Nefesh. That's what Mesir's Nefesh is. Mesir's Nefesh is, this is what has to be, and it doesn't matter what, I, there's, no, there's no other part of the equation. There is no equation. This is the way it has to be, and there's nothing else. I have to stay connected to a Kaddish Baruch. I have to do the mitzvah. I have to do whatever it is. This is the way it is. 
if I have any more soft tissues. I'm not sure. You guys are white. No, I have one left. No, maybe two. One. One. See, this is Messias Nefesh. I'll give you the last one. Hello. Oh, okay, I'm seeing it. It's coming back in my pocket. <clears throat> Messias Nefesh is a state of being where the Jew comes to a point where they will not disconnect from a Kaddish Barakos. Now, what's the source of that? So there are different sources, the Rebbe says. So right now, the Rebbe just talked about two. There's a source of Yechidosh of Nefesh. And there's a source of Chayyish ibn Nefesh. Chayyish ibn Nefesh is some superconscious connection to a Kaddish Baruch who resonates in my conscious reality. I become aware of it. It becomes something that I feel, that I'm, 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 I'm conscious of. Temporarily, what happens in the throes of that event? My Nefesh is bottle. But bottle in a level of iskafia. It's not expressing itself in any way, shape, or form. My rotsoin, my desire, is completely and totally connected to a Kaddish Baruch. Is there still a reality of, my nef- of the desire of my Nefesh is to do the opposite of what right now I want to do? Yes. But it's dormant. It's still there. It's just dormant. It's in remission. It's in a state of remission. Okay. That's Mesiris Nefesh of Chayesh of Nefesh. The Jew is completely and totally connected to Elokus consciously. There's a, rev- a revelation and a, an illumination of this incredibly powerful connection to a Kaddish Baruch Hu by virtue of the fact that what's Chayesh of Nefesh? Why is Chayesh of Nefesh so powerfully connected to a Kaddish Baruch Hu? It's experiencing a revelation of a Kaddish Baruch It lives in a place where a Kaddish Baruch is revealed constantly in an incredibly powerful way. Okay? <clears throat> so as much as in Gashmias, it would be unreasonable for you to try to walk through the table. If you walked into this room and you want to get to the other side of the table, you don't just walk through the table. Like, what are you, a maniac? What's wrong with you? Well, why don't you just walk through the table? Well, because you're intensely aware of the existence of the table. And you're like, I can't walk through the table. I have to walk around the table. Why in the world, why, what kind of a crazy person walks in the door and, and wants to sit next to Gabi and, and, and tries to walk through the table? What are you, nuts? There's a table in the way. You don't see the table? Of course I see the table, so I don't walk through the table. If I see a locust, what don't I do? I don't walk right through it. I don't ignore it. I don't pretend it's not there. I act in accordance with its presence. That's Mesir's Nefesh of Yechid, of Chayesh of Nefesh. Now, what happens to the Ratzon of the Nefesh of Amis at that moment? It's dormant. It's completely <coughs> overcome. <coughs> Does it exist? It exists. It's just not expressing itself in any way, shape, or form because what is being expressed my connection to Gadish Baruch was being expressed. And so what might that cause? What you and I call Messiris Nefesh. That doesn't mean I'm giving up my life. It means that I'm completely aware of Elokus, connected to Elokus, and acting in accordance with the will of Gadish Baruch. That means if I daven that way, my davening is going to be really powerfully connected davening. If I'm learning, connected. If I'm doing a mitzvah, connected. That doesn't necessarily mean there's some guy with a gun pointing at you saying, you know, bow down to this idol. No. Messiris Nefesh is a state of, the Frieda Grebbe explains, giving over your will. 
What will? A will for anything other than godliness. That's Messias Nefesh. Yes, it can express itself in, uh, in, 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 in when we say Messias Nefesh, actual physical self-sacrifice. Messias Nefesh befail mamish, in actuality. Meaning a Jew's actually giving up his life. That can also happen. Or is willing to give up his life. Okay. But Messias Nefesh in a way is I'm willing to give up my life. I'm willing to give up my own personal life to experience God's life shining through me. That's Messias Nefesh in a way. That I don't have a personal life. That's Messias Nefesh. Oh, so if that comes from Chayesha Nefesh, it's amazing. It's incredible. And you, looking from the outside, who would know? You don't know. You're talking about very, very subtle differences in, in spiritual, godly reality. Okay, so the person looking would just, just see Messias Nefesh. Where's it coming from? I don't know. What I don't have a thermometer I stick in the person. I can figure out what their temperature is. Like it's, a, it's not a turkey. Thanksgiving, I just want to you know, pay heed to that for the Americans. Thank you. Right? We're not you know, like, testing whether the turkey's cooked by you know, stabbing the turkey. That isn't what you do in Ruchnias. Okay. Okay. But if it's coming from this place called Chayish Nefesh, so it's limited to the extent that the Yetzirah is still there, the Nefesh Bamis is still there, it's just dormant. It's not expressing itself at all. Why? <laughs> so the person's completely connected to what, what's real. Okay, that's one state. Yechidah Shebenefesh? Yechidah Shebenefesh, there's no, there's no Nefesh Bahamis there. It doesn't exist. Why? Because there is no, on that level of the Neshama, there is no Le'umazeh. There is no other side. Relative to the four levels of Neshama, there's another side of reality. The fifth level of Neshama, it's just all alakus. There's, there's nothing else. Right? There's no... So to speak. The essential connection to self and Gashmias. No. Mitzad, the Nefeshabamis, it has an obviously an, an, an essential reality to it. Fine. But there is no opposing force on the level of Yechida Shabanefish. And so that's the truest expression of. This is the way it is and there's nothing else. There's really nothing else at that point. If a Jew comes to a point where Yechidosh Nefesh is revealed in their conscious reality, they're completely connected to a Kaddish Baruch and there is no opposing force on any level of reality at that point. And that's usually the source of the Mesiris Nefesh of a Yid. Even the simplest Jew. Simplest Jew when push comes to shove. We talked about this a lot in Basi Lugan, in the third chapter, fourth chapter. Right? When push comes to shove, simple Jew. It wasn't necessarily someone who was maser nefesh in their avoda. Shammai, we don't do that in class here. We just don't do it. That, that in, in, that in Messiris Nefesh, the Messiris Nefesh of that Jew, when push came to shove, their everyday life, they weren't someone who exhibited a lot of connection to a Kaddish Baruch in their everyday life. Meaning they were a normal guy. They were from, they kept Shabbos and ate kosher and daven. But, but, you know. That Jew, often, that, unfortunately, Jewish history is full of the fact 
of the instances where that simple Jew, everyday, you know, regular everyday guy, exhibited a level of mysterious nefesh that was pushed incredible and was and and before gave up his life for Kaddish Baruch Hu, because at a certain point, usually external sit an external reality revealed in him. That there's a certain point of which it's absolutely clear that there's an Abishter and nothing else exists and this Jew is willing to give up his life in order to stay connected to the Abishter. That's Messir Snefesh, Befeil Namish. And unfortunately that's very much part of the history of the Jewish people. No question. Now, you know, fortunately to the extent that it shows something so powerful in the Yid, unfortunately because there were so many situations where external reality pushed us against the wall. And when we're pushed against the wall, what does a Jew say? The most, there were more instances of Messiris Nefesh than people giving up. That doesn't mean there weren't people who gave up. But there are more or the other. Which is really astounding. It's really astounding. And that's Jewish history. Okay. That's why we're still here. Because without that, we would have been gone a long time ago. Like everybody else. <laughs> Where did the Assyrians go? I, I don't know. I guess at a certain point, you know, it just, it just, they just, no, no, we don't want to go. They, 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 they still exist. No, they don't exist. There's no such thing. not the original one. They're saying, of course, that there's no Assyrians. Exactly. Right. Good deal. There's no Assyrians. There's something else. Can I trace people back to those people? Of course. Everybody goes back to somewhere. There's no such thing as an Assyrian today. No such thing. No such thing as Mesopotamia today. No such thing. It doesn't exist. What happened? So it's called Iraq. There's no, there's no Mesopotamia today. It doesn't exist. Why not? Because at some point, the Mesopotamians gave up. No more dinosaurs. Okay, whatever. <laughs> were there ever? I don't know. Who knows? The Rebbe actually once says it could be there, were such a, there was such a thing. But whatever. We're not so, you know, dinosaurs. What's a dinosaur? It's a, it's a, it's a Toronto basketball team. Okay, it's a dinosaur. Right, okay. <clears throat> right? So the, why, why did those people disappear? I don't know. I mean, I, but, but I mean, at a certain point, they, didn't, they, they weren't willing to be Mason Nefesh to stay that. <laughs> you didn't never reach that point. We, we've, regardless of what's happened, we've always said, and in, in, in those points more powerfully than at any other point, Right? When, when they start, I mean, I, the, the, the Rebbe doesn't surprise us that the Rebbe's at a point of Azoyvindandarish, but I mean, you know, the stories of the, the, when, when, they, when they were registering the Jews in Paris. Right? So it happened to be when they came to the Rebbe in the Rebbitson's house, they weren't there. Right? Maybe the Rebbitson was there, and the Rebbe wasn't. So the Rebbitson didn't register the Rebbe, meaning, Kilo, there was no such person. So. I think Taka, the Rebbitson was there and they, were, and, and they knocked on the door and the Rebbitson said her name. Anybody else here? No. Right? Okay. So the Rebbe came back and heard what happened and went down and registered. And so the Rebbe said, why? why? The, Rebbe said, the Rebbe said, in no way, shape, or form will I let myself be separate from the Jewish people. Even in this. I mean, it might be advantageous in Gashmias to be not registered. Right? No. 
won't be disconnected. That's now you know for for the Rebbe to be that doesn't I mean obviously the Rebbe wasn't Rebbe yet but for that doesn't surprise us. Right, okay, but that's that's what it that's the that's Mitsuras Nefesh from Yechidish Ibn Nefesh. Right? I can't be disconnected. Right? The marshal that we talked about the other day, right? I think we talked maybe I talked about it in some other instance, I don't know. Right? Some come someone comes to you and says to you, Okay, I'll let you live if you let me cut off your head. It's not a it's not a particularly useful equation, is it? But I'll let you live if you let me cut off your head. Okay. That's exactly the same as someone saying, I'll let you live if you're Michal Shabbos. It's exactly the same. Just one's in Ruchnius and one's in Gashmius. You cannot be alive if you're Michal Shabbos. You just can't be alive because life is connected to the Ebishtah. That's what it is. And when that becomes absolutely clear without any opposition, not only is there not opposition, there's opposition, but it's dormant. There's no opposition whatsoever. It's absolutely, completely, and totally clear what the what the reality is. Obviously, my daughter knows we're supposed to stop. One second. We are stopping one second because it's Rosh Chaydish and you have to get down. We should all try to say hello with a minion. We're not stopping yet. Right? So, so the the, the when it's abs, that's that's mesiras nefesh from yichidish of a nefesh azoyv and and the Rebbe's going to explain how that state of being is something that every single one of us can achieve even in Golas. So there can be a pada b'sholem even in a state of milchama, because in the state, interesting enough, when is the Rebbe doesn't say it here, so but but when is Yechidah Shibanefesh usually revealed Dafka when the Jews pushed against the wall, Dafka in the state of Muhammad, that's when the, then when the, now w- w- that state evidently is a state of complete calm. It's absolutely clear what's at stake. And the Jews calm. Right? It's absolutely clear. As if someone were to say to you, I'll let you live if you let me cut off your head. No. I don't accept that equation. That's not an equation I can live with. You know, it's absolutely clear that that's ridiculous. <laughs> so I'll, I'll fight tooth and nail not to let that happen. You know, if he wins and cuts off my head, okay, beside her, so I lost. But I mean, that's a ridiculous equation. What, 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 kind, what kind of deal is that? <laughs> that's it's not a deal. Okay. So I don't, I don't buy into that. Exactly the same as, as, as someone saying, I'll let you live if you're Mechal Shabbos. Exactly the same. I'll let you live if you eat this non-kosher food in public and show everybody that you can eat it. I'll make you eat it in public. What does the Jew say? No, not a chance. But I'm going to kill you. No, no, that kills me. This doesn't. This is called life. You shooting? God forbid. The Jews are you shooting me? That's life. Eating that, that's death. I'm not interested. That's Mesir's Nefesh from Yechidah Now, it can also come from Chayi Shebenefesh. The Jew could make exactly the same decision. And, as a matter of fact, even Neshama Shebenefesh, even intellectually, the Jew could make exactly the same decision. Because you and I can, are talking about it now intellectually. And it makes perfect sense. So even I'll pee my Seichel, I could come to that conclusion. Even I'll pee my Midas. Ruach Shebenefesh, I could come to that conclusion. I, am, I feel absolutely 
clearly that, no, we're not going to eat that. Yeah. Once you miss your opportunity to be Meister Nefesh, are you like disconnected from being a Jew? Like the, the Jews in Spain who like publicly converted but still kept Shabbat in the... In yeah, the so, so that, that's in the meaning, that's in the, who knows? I mean, we are, yes, they, they, could there have been a greater mysterious Nefesh by not publicly converting? Yes. Who are you and I to judge anybody else though, obviously? But, but it's also interesting that what do we see? They, the mice couldn't do it, right? They, they couldn't really disconnect because what did they keep doing quietly, right? What would have been better? I still go today. I heard there's places and there's houses. You see, there's like trap doors under. Yeah, there's still, there's still, there's they, you know, little, there's like a lot of interesting. Bugs. I've actually met people mm-hmm. who have told me in, you know, in confidence that they were really Jewish and that they still lit Shabbos candles. And a guy I knew from when I was in college said that in his basement there is a 500-year-old Hanukkah yeah. from Spain. Yeah, but it's old Spain. Spain, you know, anybody from comes from back there might have that in their family history. Well, you know, were they Yidin who were Mason Efesh Mamish? They were Yidin who were Mason Efesh Mamish, right? The unfortunate part of that level of mysterious Nefesh is it's sort of didn't keep anything going. <coughs> you know, whatever that, there was some level of mysterious nefesh in there to the extent, okay, publicly there was one thing, but privately there was something else. Unfortunately, that didn't last, right? You're not going to trust anybody being Jewish based on all that. Mm-hmm. Today, you'll make them do gir l'halochem. Yeah. Gir l'chumr. Maybe not l'chumr, maybe completely, who knows, right? So, you know, that's not necessarily an expression of the greatest mysterious nefesh in the history of the Jewish people. Right? There are greater ones. Even though, interestingly enough, it, it, it really is, even in the context of that, it's interesting, so many of those people in private wouldn't give it up. Okay. And that, I assume, was dangerous. Right? <laughs> Simple shot, it must have been dangerous, right? Okay. But were people able to be Mason Efish Befarhesia? Yes. Were there people who did it? I'm sure there were lots and lots of people who did it. I don't, you know, you, you can, it's always unclear when you, you know, when you read the history, like where, whose history are you reading, right? When Beryl, what's his name, Beryl Wine? Beryl Wine, I think? Who's the rabbi in America who wrote a Jewish history from a Frum perspective? I think Beryl Wine is his name. So see what he says about that. Because so often the history you read about it is from a non-religious perspective where they're trying to push how many people didn't keep it. Because the guy writing it doesn't keep it. <laughs> okay, so what really happened? I don't know. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm just saying you always have to be careful when you read Jewish history. Like, wait, who's writing this Jewish history? All right. Some people write Jewish history of the Jews in the Holocaust as the sheep going to the slaughter. Why? Well, it's in their interest to describe them that way, and I'm not. Is that really what it was? Well, I don't think so. I've never heard serious people, you know, serious from people, never heard the Rebbeim talk about it that way or anybody, right? 
We'll talk about it that way. Talk about his incredible Messias Nefesh. Right? How many Jews said Shema Yisrael as they were, they definitely had, you know, what were they supposed to do, right? But also not knowing what exactly was happening, but, but how many of those Yidin said Shema Yisrael? Those were the last words on their lips. Hundreds of thousands, who knows? Millions, who knows? We don't know. We don't know. Who can know? God knows. We don't know. Right? Why did he do that? We don't know. Don't try to explain it. You'll lose. Right? There is no explanation. Rebbe once wrote just a, and Rebbe once wrote a letter to someone. I just saw the letter. I didn't see the guy's question, but it was obvious what the question was. It's a rav who got out of Europe, still from. It's a rav in Brooklyn, but he was very bothered by what he had gone through in the war, obviously. And he asked the Rebbe, how does he deal with that? And the Rebbe said, the answer to your question doesn't exist in Elam It's a two-page letter. At the beginning of the letter, the Rebbe explains how Kaddish Baruch created the world with a purpose in mind, and every, everything necessary to bring about the fulfillment of that purpose exists in Elam Right? Because it can't possibly be that God asks us to do something and doesn't give us the ability to do it, because we're, you, know, you make a cake, it needs eggs, but there's no such thing as an egg. That doesn't work. Obviously, there's eggs if you need, to, if you need eggs to make the cake. Okay? So everything, everything is there, necessary to bring about the fulfillment of creation, which is bringing Mashiach. Right? Two pages, the Rebbe explains that at great length. Then the Rebbe says, the answer to your question doesn't exist in Elam Hazer. Therefore, it's not necessary to bring Mashiach. Because were the answer to your question necessary to bring Mashiach, the answer would be in Elam Hazer. But it's not. Therefore, it's not necessary. Rebbe signs the letter. Then the Rebbe says, if this seems somewhat harsh and unfeeling, I too lost relatives in the war, and the Rebbe lists all of the relatives that he lost in the war. Meaning, don't think this isn't personal. But that's just what it is. There isn't an answer, so get on with it. And there's all sorts of questions there aren't answers for. Get on with it. The way it is, right? Why in the world would we think that human intellect should understand everything? Human intellect is limited. There's things God's intellect doesn't understand, so to speak. Why? Because there's things that intellect can't understand. So the revelation of infinite intellect doesn't touch that place. Why? Because that's not a place that intellect touches. So even the Chokhmah of the Abishter doesn't touch that place. Why? Because the Abishter is limited? No, because Chokhmah is limited. The nature of Chokhmah is, is limited. That's just what it is. It is what it is, and it isn't other things. Okay, is God limited? No, absolutely not, because God's not only Chokmah. If we were only Chokmah, he'd be limited, but he's not. <laughs> okay. 